the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park and 910 WTWD Plant City. It's time for Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. What was it that drove Paul to be like this, to be so fearless in witnessing for Christ? And what can we learn from his fearlessness so that we can have that kind of boldness and courage, not be intimidated as we so often are? I think it's obvious that Paul's courage came from the fact that he had seen the risen Lord. The Apostle Paul defended his apostleship by going into great detail about how he learned the truths concerning the gospel of grace. He knew if the Galatian believers didn't understand his authority in the gospel, they wouldn't accept the message he preached. We'll learn more about that in today's class. This is Verse by Verse, a daily class where we study the Bible verse by verse. Our instructor is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're glad you tuned in today. A few years back, I encountered a man I used to work with but hadn't seen in about five or six years. I didn't recognize him at first. In fact, he had to introduce himself. Now, my memory isn't the greatest, but I had worked every day with Mike for at least a decade and should have remembered him. What was my problem? Mike had changed dramatically. He had trusted Christ as his Savior, and the Lord had transformed Mike from a grumpy curmudgeon into a joyful delight to be around. Open your Bible, if you're able to right now, to Galatians chapter 1, and get ready as Pastor Steve is about to tell us how the Lord made an equally profound change in an angry Pharisee named Saul of Tarsus. Once again, I invite you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. Paul's letter to the Galatians, and we break in at verse 13, reading all the way to the end of the chapter. Paul writes, For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace and was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then, three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days, but I did not see any of the other apostles except James the Lord's brother now in what I'm writing to you I assure you before God that I am not lying then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea which were in Christ but only they kept hearing he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy and they were glorifying God because of me one of the great evidences for the Bible being the word of God is that 
it can be trusted to do exactly what it claims to do. And one of the things that the Bible claims to do is this, that if you will trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God promises from his word that he will transform your life and change you. He will change you for the better. Not only will he save you, but he will change you, transform your character. I recently read a story about Dr. Harry Ironside, who for many years was the pastor of the Moody Memorial Church in Chicago. But prior to becoming a pastor, Harry Ironside was an itinerant evangelist. And one day while preaching the gospel in a public air meeting in the city of San Francisco, a man in the crowd shouted out to him, atheism has done more for the world than Christianity. But in addition to this loud remark about atheism from this atheist, this man also challenged Harry Ironside to a public debate, to which Ironside agreed, but with one stipulation. He said, and I quote, I have just one thing that I want us to tomorrow, this very hour, I'm going to bring with me 100 men and women who have been saved out of the gutter and out of the darkness and despair of life, who have been lifted up into the brightness of God. I'm going to bring 100 of them, and they will be here, standing beside me tomorrow, this place, this time. And you, you bring 100 men and women who have been saved out of the gutter and the darkness of life by the gospel of infidelity and atheism. Well, as you might have guessed, this debate never took place because this man wasn't able to produce one, let alone a hundred people who could say that their lives were benefited by atheism. See, Harry Ironside was absolutely correct. The gospel of Jesus Christ has transformed countless numbers of individuals who could all give testimony to the fact that they were changed for the better by Jesus Christ. And one of those individuals in years past who loved to tell his testimony about Christ's power to change and transform him was the man known as the Apostle Paul, who many times on the pages of the New Testament wrote out his testimony for the various churches to see where he was coming from and how God had changed him from a legalistic, Christ-rejecting, Christian-hating, salvation-by-works Pharisee into an apostle who loved Jesus, loved Christians, and proclaimed the gospel of grace as the only way to be saved. And here in Galatians chapter 1 is just one of those places in which Paul wrote out his testimony. But I want you to understand why. The reason Paul gave his testimony here was not for evangelistic purposes. These folks already knew Paul. They already knew his testimony. If you look at verse 13, you'll see this. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism. They knew Paul's testimony. They were very familiar with his past and the story of his conversion. Remember, these people were professing believers in Christ. Paul had visited with them. They had claimed to know Christ. Paul had founded a church and probably several churches in that area. But here he's telling them his testimony. Why? Why retell the testimony that they already knew? Why retell it here in chapter 1? And why go into so many details? Why not just say, well, I was Pharisee, came to know Christ, he changed my life. But he goes into details. Listen very closely. Paul's purpose in giving this brief biographical sketch of him his life was to try to convince 
the Galatian Christians of one thing and one thing only. And he states that in verses 11 and 12. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me, it's not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. He wanted these Christians, these professing Christians, to understand that the message of justification by faith alone in Christ alone is the message that he received from God and no one else apart from any human involvement. He wants them to know that the gospel that they heard from him and which he still preaches, it has its origin in God and only God apart from any man. See, the entire background of this letter is that false teachers were attempting to persuade the Galatians that Paul was a fake, a fraudulent apostle who preached a fraudulent gospel message of salvation by faith. And they said it's not the message that the twelve apostles in Jerusalem were preaching. Paul's deviated from them. Paul's not one of them. See, they claimed that they were the ones and not Paul who preached. The, meaning now the false teachers who preached a message that God originally gave to Israel through Moses. He gave them the law. They said, we're preaching the law. That's the true message. And it's the same message. They said that if you go down to Jerusalem or up to Jerusalem, because everything goes up to Jerusalem, they said that's what the 12 apostles are preaching, too. And let me just show you this. Let's turn over to chapter two of Galatians. Now, this is a different setting. This is a setting in the city of Antioch, but it's the same spirit. And for all we know, it may be the very same men who had come to Galatia and influenced that church or those churches. Notice in verses 11 and 12, Paul writes, but when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. Now, we don't need to go into the argument now. We will when we get there. I just want you to see that these Judaizers, these false teachers were so deceitful. They said James from the church at Jerusalem sent them. They said that James stands behind us. James wanted us to come and set Paul straight and explain what the what the true gospel really is. Listen, that's a bold faced lie. James would never have sent, as one Bible teacher put it, and I quote, a delegation of heretics to Antioch to undermine the true gospel and cause the church there nothing but trouble. But that's precisely what these false teachers were claiming. They said that their message of salvation by human works was consistent with what Moses and the present day apostles were teaching. That Paul wasn't one of them. Paul was a fake. His message was deviant. and It was a corrupted form of the gospel. He knew a little bit about the gospel, about Jesus, but he totally had warped it, totally had changed it. And Paul's arguments against this charge is twofold. One, he states in verse one that he is a true apostle. He's a true apostle called by God to be an apostle without any human involved at all in his calling. No church committee, no ordination council, no individual. God called him. And two, he states that his message is the one true gospel. It's the one delivered to him also apart from any human involvement. That's what verses 11 and 12 say. Apart from any human involvement. No one taught it to him. He got it from God. And to prove his point, folks, that this gospel message is the legitimate one that was revealed to him by God. 
Paul then gives his life story. He gives what we call his testimony. He divides his life into three specific time periods, which with each one of them presented as an irrefutable proof that the gospel that he preached couldn't possibly be from anyone but God alone. It wasn't taught to him by another individual. He didn't study it. He didn't invent it. It was totally divine in its origin. That's the point of this chapter. Now, last Sunday, we studied the first two time periods of Paul's life. We saw that, first of all, his life prior to his conversion proves that his gospel message was revealed to him by God, because prior to his salvation, Paul was a fanatic Pharisee who persecuted the church, tried to destroy the church. Far from being sympathetic with the message of salvation by faith, Paul hated it, despised it. Because he tells us in verses 13 and 14 that he was zealous for the traditions of the ancient Jewish rabbis. Those men who would be what he called his ancestral traditions, or at least what he called that he believed his ancestral traditions. That's the traditions of the ancient Jewish rabbis. They taught salvation by law, by works. Paul hated it. So why would we conclude, why would anyone conclude that Paul invented this gospel message or learned it from somebody, embraced it when before his conversion, he hated it. He killed for it, killed other Christians. Secondly, we saw that his actual conversion also proves that his gospel message was revealed to him by God because only the sovereign God could have gotten close enough to convince Paul that he was wrong, that Jesus was the real Messiah. Only the true sovereign God could have Commission Paul to stop preaching salvation by works, start preaching Christ and salvation by grace and do it amongst the Gentiles. This Pharisee, former Pharisee amongst the Gentiles. If we didn't know Paul's conversion and we just heard that he was doing this, we'd say that's crazy talk, crazy talk. A Pharisee turned apostle. A Pharisee who used to preach works, now preaching grace alone. A Pharisee who hated Gentiles, because that's the whole background of Pharisees, now loved them, lived amongst them, preached Christ to them. Now, that's where we left off first two time periods in Paul's life, before his conversion, his actual conversion. Now we pick up Paul's continuing testimony as he proceeds to move on and tell us about the third and final time period of his life, which like the first two segments prove also that the gospel was revealed to him by God and God alone. He closes chapter one by telling us about number three, his life immediately following his conversion. Now let's break in at verse 15. So we'll see the full picture of what Paul wanted the Galatians to see and what he wants us to see about what happens immediately following his conversion, starting in verse 15. But when God, who set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not. Here's what happened. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away. I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Now, there is a great deal of information that Paul gives about himself in these verses. But what he's trying to do, and what he actually not trying to do, what he is doing, he is informing us about what took place in his life immediately 
after he met Christ on the road to Damascus and was converted. And the first thing he tells us is that he said, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. And what does he mean by that? He means that he didn't immediately seek anyone out, especially anyone in authority, to discuss theology with them, to say, give me some information about this gospel. Let me learn from you. He didn't do that. He didn't do that at all. He did not consult with any trained theologian or anybody else. Why? Because he had the gospel already. He understood it. Now, in order to better understand what Paul means here, and what exactly happened to him immediately following his conversion, we need to see what Luke tells us about Paul in the book of Acts. So let's turn there. Acts chapter 9. We'll, we're going to keep referring to Acts 9 throughout this message. So think it'd be good to stay there, put a little marker there. But I want to read to you, breaking in at verse 8, all the way to verse 19, and see what happened to Paul, which he doesn't tell us all about this in Galatians. But Luke tells us more, gives us more detail here in Acts chapter 9. Starting at verse 8, we read Saul, that was his Hebrew name, got up from the ground, and though his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. Leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. He was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Hear, my Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name among the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Now, we learn here that right after the Lord opened Paul's spiritual eyes so that now he saw the truth about Jesus, he closed his physical eyes. He blinded him physically so that he could no longer see anything around him. So being led by the hand, he was brought to the city of Damascus. Remember, he was on his way there. So they continued going to Damascus. And he stayed in the house of a man named Judas uh, on a street named Straight. Now, it was while Paul was in that house on Straight Street, which is almost a tongue twister, in the house of Judas, that the Lord directed a Christian man in the city of Damascus, a man named Ananias, to visit Paul in order that he might regain his sight and be baptized as a new believer. However, even though Ananias and Paul obviously conversed, Paul states emphatically In Galatians 1, that following his conversion, he did not consult with flesh and blood. In other words, although he obviously had a talk 
to Ananias, and we would assume other believers in the city of Damascus at that time, Paul did not discuss with anyone what he should believe, what he should preach, what he should do concerning the gospel, nor did he seek out any kind of authorization from anyone to preach the gospel. See, what what Paul wants the Galatians to understand, and us by way of application, is that following his conversion, he didn't seek anyone's advice, didn't need it. He didn't seek their understanding. He didn't seek clarification concerning the revelation that God had given to him. Paul understood it. No one taught him the gospel. No one instructed him in Christian doctrine while he was in Damascus as a brand new believer. They didn't need to. That's his point. God made it clear to him. God revealed it. God disclosed it. But not only did Paul not consult with any believer in Damascus about his new faith, he tells us in Galatians 1.17 that he decided at this time not to travel to the city of Jerusalem to seek out any spiritual advice or instruction from the 12 apostles who resided there. So what did Paul do after he received his sight while in Damascus? Well, instead of going up to Jerusalem, which was at that time the center of Christianity, because as I said, that's where all the apostles resided. Paul tells us in Galatians 1.17 that he went away. He went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Once again, we turn to Luke in Acts 9 to fill us in on some of the details that Paul leaves out in Galatians 1. And these details enable us, folks, to see more clearly what took place in the apostle's life in the early days, his early days as a Christian. Notice, as we continue, the last part of verse 19 all the way to verse 22. Now, for several days, he was with the disciples who were in Damascus. This is after Ananias has come. He's received his sight. He was baptized. He's eaten. He's gotten stronger. He was for several days with the disciples who were in Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. All those who heard him continued to be amazed and were saying, Is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, from these verses, we learn that before going into the wilderness called Arabia, Paul spent some time in Damascus. And what was he doing there? He was preaching about Jesus in the synagogues. Now, what's so fascinating about this is that even in the first days following his conversion, Paul was not only serving and witnessing about Christ, but note this, He was preaching the gospel message which was clearly defined in his mind. He knew what it was. Why? That's his argument. God had given it to him. He's a brand new believer, but he understands the gospel message and gets up and preaches it in the various synagogues in the city of Damascus. He didn't need anyone to explain it to him. He didn't need a course in a seminary. He didn't need anyone to clarify for him what the gospel message was. God had made it known to him on the road to Damascus. So here he is in the city of Damascus just a few days later, and he's preaching the gospel. 
Paul's knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures and the Holy Spirit's help enabled him to immediately start preaching about Jesus. He could point out to the Pharisees in the temple at Damascus that Jesus of Nazareth met all the requirements of their long-awaited Messiah. It was truly amazing that the one who had come to Damascus to arrest any Christ followers was now, just a few days later, advising his fellow Pharisees that Jesus was indeed the Christ. Of course, they didn't believe him, but they couldn't deny that Paul had changed dramatically. Thanks for joining us today for Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Stop in some Sunday if you're nearby and looking for a place to worship. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. Find out more at lakesidechapel.com. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry of Lakeside. If the Lord has been speaking to you about supporting Verse by Verse, either with a special gift or with ongoing support, give us a call at 727-239-0306 or visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click the giving link. The number once more is 727-239-0306. And the website is versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. I think it's safe to assume that neither you or I have actually seen Jesus. But what if we had? What if Jesus had actually stopped us in our tracks, spoken directly to us, blinded us in fact, and then told us exactly what to do in order to regain our sight? What difference would that make in our eagerness to tell people about Jesus? I would think it would make a tremendous difference. When Pastor Steve returns with our next verse by verse, we'll consider the change that came over Paul and the amazing courage he displayed from that moment on. Deepening your faith. So many times we're not in position for a breakthrough because when we should be sitting and serving, we're searching. The blessings of God will chase you down. So you've got to be in position and say, you know what? I'm going to settle myself. I'm going to serve God. Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBA. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.